Welcome to Here She Stands, the podcast where Lutheran women from across Australia come together as a community, sharing stories and testifying to God's goodness. My name is Lexi and I'm a mama of four girls and the wife of a first-year pastoral student. And I'm Sonia, a Lutheran pastor's wife and mum of two kiddos. Together we have a desire to see each woman hold firm to the Word of God and say, Here I stand, I can do no other. In today's episode, we will be chatting with Ruby, our first teenager on the podcast. Ruby is 14 and lives in Tasmania, where she is a pastor's daughter, student and avid reader. Ruby, welcome to Here She Stands. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on because my friends said they wouldn't listen to it until I was on the podcast. Really? Yes. Very good. So for our listeners, it's just me today, just Lexi, because we've had some big technical difficulties and Sonia wasn't able to join the call. Ruby and I are actually doing this face-to-face and we've only got one microphone, so we are huddled very close together with this one microphone, sharing headphones. I'm also feeding my 10-month-old and she's not only grabbing at my face, but she's also grabbing at the headphones. So praise God, we're here and it's happening. (laughs) So Ruby, let's continue with this episode the best we can. So you've recently moved to Tasmania because your dad got a locum call here. So what what do you like about Tasmania so far? Um, I'm really enjoying church and meeting all the new people. Probably meeting Lexi's family is the best part because their daughters are adorable and lovely children. And I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast in Tasmania. <laughs> So is the podcast one of the highlights of moving to Tassie? Yes. (laughs) So Ruby's dad is actually the locum pastor at my church. It's actually really nice doing a face-to-face interview because with the setup that we have, we don't get to see our guests face-to-face, not even on camera. Oh. Yeah. This is lovely then. This is very special. So now that we know the highlights of Tasmania for you, let's get to know a bit more about you. So I know that you're very much into books. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your book reading. What type of books do you like to read? I like to read mainly fiction, but within that realm, anything and everything, mainly fantasy, mystery, bit of romance, historical fiction, anything that makes me feel like I am not where I am at the present, that I can escape into a different reality. I like reading. Yes. So tell tell everybody how many books you've read this year so far. I've finished 55 novels and I've started probably 20 more. Um, but yeah, 55. Yeah. And so at the time of this recording, it is now the end of July. Yeah. So since the beginning of this year. My goal is to get 100 books this year. So that's eight a month and I'm not quite at eight a month for the past two months. Yeah. Do your parents enjoy reading? My mum enjoys reading and my dad, I I feel like I got dad back into reading fiction because he always said he falls asleep when he reads. So on his day off, I'll give him a book to read and then he'll spend the whole day reading and sleeping. Okay. You love reading. So what are some of your other interests and hobbies? I love music. I like writing stories or at least imagining how I would write a story in my head. I like geography and figuring out 
where everything is. I also love memorizing flags. That's a weird thing. Yes, I've memorized the flags. Like, she just gave me a really weird look. I like creating things with my hands, which includes sewing, embroidery, knitting, drawing, and scrapbooking. And I enjoy playing the piano a lot more now than I did because I stopped doing piano exams and now I'm not stressed about it. I can just play any fun song I want. So how far up in exams did you go? I was doing A and E B and I got to grade four. I did my grade four exam last year and I started a little bit of grade five, but then uh, we moved and now I'm just doing any old song I want, which is good because I can train to play in church. Yes. So what do you think about the church music, the hymns and the sacred music? I love hymns. I love hymns a lot. I think my favourite one, I couldn't choose a favourite one. I love Just As I Am, but like the alternative tune because that's the one I grew up with. I love Just As I Am because I like reading hymn stories about the person that wrote the hymn. And I love the story behind Just As I Am. It was about a woman who was very sick for a while and she wrote it when she was going through a really tough time. And it just makes me feel, I relate to it a lot. That's a very progressive thing to say. I relate to it a lot, but I love that hymn. And I I think I love, I also love singing the liturgy. And that's one thing I'm sad about in Tasmania at these churches. They don't really sing the liturgy or chant it at all. So that's one thing I love. Yeah, I suppose that's one of the challenges and also being a pastor's kid is that whatever church you end up in will have different practices and do things differently. So our church doesn't sing the liturgy or Mm. do the chanting, which is something that I've actually never really experienced at all, actually. I'll have to do it for you one time. Um, I'll sing it for you. That would be beautiful. I know that we've sung certain parts of it here and there with the previous pastor but not the all the way through oh wow so in your last church did you actually do what every Sunday was it the whole um sung liturgy sometimes we had an organ and piano so organ weeks we would do the chanting where the pastor does all the crazy sort of catholic like stuff (laughs) it's lovely though it's beautiful um if you have a pastor that can sing it's beautiful And then other weeks, music group would play and um, we'd have some people singing on microphones, sing the liturgy. We'd do five songs of faith and two others, I think. But that's what I grew up doing. And I love love singing the liturgy because I love singing and I love music. Do you think your parents have played a huge part in helping you develop all these interests? Because you're very interested in the liturgy, which is something that most 14-year-olds are not interested in. 100% my parents had something to do with it. My mum is a bit of a music freak. She plays piano and has been playing in church since she was like my age when she did grade four piano, but she's much more practiced at it than me. She definitely just helped me discover my love of music and dad basically gave me all my theological groundings. So that's where my love for the liturgy comes from. That's really interesting. I remember actually reading something a little while ago and it was talking about handing on the faith to your children and it was talking about how as parents 
if our children don't see us excited about going to church and about reading scripture and excited about theology, then we can't really expect our children to want to stay in church and to be excited about that as well. That's so true. And that's why I love hymns because they were written in the 1800s and before that, they were written to sing to the children so that the children could remember scripture. Hmm. That's why they were written and that's why Martin Luther wrote ones with 10 verses explaining all the Ten Commandments and that's why I think it's so beautiful. Yeah, hymns also, good hymns. Good hymns. Good hymns. Not praise songs. Good hymns are like mini sermons. They're like mini sermons and that's you can sing them whenever whenever you want. It's like praying. There's no strict time to do it and especially when you're feeling down or alone, singing a hymn can really uplift your mood. Yeah, and that's why we need to memorise hymns. Definitely. Yeah. That's why we need to memorise hymns. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag memorise hymns. We're going to go famous on Facebook, everyone. We're going to hit hashtag memorise hymns. Yeah. Um, I love Christmas time. That's another thing about hymns that I love. Christmas hymns are just awesome because... They get stuck in your head, and that's a good thing because hashtag memorize hymns. And last year at our old church, mum organized for our little choir, six women, for us to do Oh Holy Night. We sang it at Christmas Eve in a three-part harmony, and it was so beautiful, and I loved doing that. So I like singing, and hymns are awesome. And that's, an, that's another thing why I just love music because you can make it sound really pretty, but then it's also theologically sound. Yes, and I didn't realise that there were actually other Christmas hymns until I joined the Lutheran Church because growing up it was just the, tra- you know, the traditional. Just the traditional ones. Just the traditional ones you hear everywhere. But Oh, wow, because yeah. I love the ones from Advent, the ones that Dad says we can only sing at Advent. I love them and I want to sing them. I, if, if it was up to me, Christmas Eve service would go for three hours and it would just be singing. <laughs> so, yes, Lutherans have beautiful hymns to sing at Christmas time. Beautiful hymns. Have you seen Lutheran Satire's video on Christmas hymns? I have not. I should I should see that because uh, Lutheran Satire is a good channel. Yeah. It's a great channel. It taught me about the Trinity very well. Yep. And we'll we'll link a, we'll, a Lutheran we'll, Satire Christmas hymns video in yeah, the show notes. Yeah, we'll link we'll link Lutheran Satire in the show notes. So tell us a little bit about your family. Who is in your family? My dad, Sam, is a pastor, and my mum, Tara, is a stay-at-home mum, and my brother, Johan, who is 16, has special needs, and then me, and then the new baby, which is on the way, due to arrive about a month after recording. Yes, so... Your mum's only got about a month left. Mum's only got about a month left, yes. Yeah. And there's a huge age gap between you and this baby. 15 years almost. F- 15 years, yeah. So definitely surprise. A, definitely a surprise baby. Yes. So excited though. Yes. You must have been overjoyed to find out. I I kept saying it. it's like all my prayers have come true. Like I've been praying for to be a big sister my whole life and now. Now it's happening. And then mum started making fun of me for it. So I sort of stopped saying that. But yes, yeah. been praying for it my whole life. Such a blessing. So how did they tell you? 
basically I was in all the conversations about mum maybe being pregnant and for the whole time I was just praying, please, please be having a baby, please. And then, yeah, I was there when mum got a positive pregnancy test. So basically I've known the whole time. Yep. And you were, did you scream? I screamed, I jumped up and down, I hugged everyone, I screamed some more, and then I went on a little walk and ran around for about half an hour and screamed some more. Yes. It was awesome. Yes. And it's so exciting for us as a church as well to have another little baby in the congregation. Everyone loves babies. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to be the middle child. Well, I feel like I already am sort of the middle child. I'm also the oldest, basically. I'm in a difficult position because my older brother is like a toddler, but the size of a 16-year-old. So I'm the eldest with all the academic pressure, Mm -hmm. but I'm also the middle child in that I know I'm not the main, like the focus isn't all on me all the time because Johan has special needs Mm -hmm. and also I'm the youngest because I've sort of been an only child because everyone's spoiled me a little bit because I'm the youngest. Yeah. But now I'm going to be the middle kid. Yeah. Very unusual spot to be in. Very unusual situation. So in many ways you are the eldest because mentally um, with, yeah. Yeah, with Johan's disabilities. And um, so what, what has it been like for you growing up as the sister of someone with special needs? It's been pretty difficult as it is for probably all special needs siblings. Mm-hmm. Most people just don't understand the situation that you're in. It's hard, like I said, basically being like the middle kid, being like the forgotten one, but also you have to help out more in or in different ways than in a normal family. And having a special needs sibling can bring a lot more arguments and conflict, so you have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. It's difficult sometimes. Have you been involved in much of caring for him? Um. Well, not really. I've never actually like just looked after him on my by myself because mum thinks that's completely unfair, which it is probably very unfair. You have to look after your older brother, but I do look after him when we're at church or out and about, just keeping an eye on Johan when mum and dad are having a nap because they're exhausted. Got to look after Johan, make sure he doesn't eat anything he's not supposed to. Yeah. But other than that, all you have to do to keep him happy is give him lots of hugs. So yes, that's good. And he loves doing puzzles too. He loves doing puzzles. So that's an easy way to keep him entertained. Yep. So not only are you a special needs sister, which comes with joys and challenges in itself, but you're also one of those pastor's kids. <gasps> not the dreaded pastor's kids. Not the pastor's kids. kids. Oh, those PKs. <laughs> PKs. Yeah. <laughs> It's very, it's it's fun because you get to meet other pastor's kids who know what it's like. I find it hard because I feel like I don't have a pastor I can go to to talk to about yeah. my personal needs. I have someone I can talk to all the time about theology and theology books and politics, but I don't have anyone that I can specifically talk to to get pastoral care. Because talking to my dad would be really awkward for me. Yeah. But 
it's pretty fun. Another challenge of being a pastor's kid is having to move around every three or four, or in our case, ten years. And another challenge is feeling left out at youth events when you've got a congregation you're at and you don't really feel like you fit in because everyone might have known each other for ages and then the youth don't really yeah don't really let you into their social groups so be nice to your pastors and your pastor's children and your pastor's wife so you do feel like there is a bit of a you could say a divide a border a bit of a wall between I feel like there is because in my experience it's like going to a new school but it's faith yeah. So everyone knows each other already and everyone's nice to you. But after church, you might not be invited to sit with them or like have coffee with them. After church can make you feel really left out as a pastor's kid. Or in some cases, when no children your age go to church. Yes. That's another challenge because then you have to just be the good pastor's kid and just bear it is you don't want to make a bad impression on the congregation. So why do you think you can sometimes feel that divide between you and the other kids in the church or the other youth in the church? I think it might just be because they don't know me or they don't know you or it could just be because they're the pastor's kid that might be scaring them off, that you might just want to talk about theology the whole time. I don't know. I think it's just because... Then you have to talk to the pastor, and pastors are scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you seem to have a really uh, good relationship <laughs> with your parents. A really, I have um, a really good relationship yeah. with my parents. Yes, you banter a lot together. <laughs> we do banter a lot together. That's how we show our affection. Yes, lots of teasing and banter, and just enjoying each other's company. Yeah, yeah. So you face some challenges being a pastor's kid within the church. What about at school? What are things like at school for you? Well, I was really lucky to have gone to a Christian primary school and a private Christian high school until I moved. And everyone, lots of people there were Christian or at least they were comfortable with Christianity. Whereas now in Tasmania, I go to a public school with 450 kids and I don't know anyone else that's Christian. And it's very difficult making friends because you might tell them that you're Christian and then they'll get scared away. I know some people that don't like me. They've never talked to me. They don't like me just because I'm a Christian. And also with some political issues, they are scared away because Christians all think, apparently we all think the same way. And so that's a challenge, making friends. Another challenge in the public school system is classes. You can't get any theological education at all unless you want to put in extra effort at home or have your parents teach you and I think for some kids their parents may not do that for them not for me because my dad's a pastor Hmm. but yeah making friends is definitely the big one because as soon as the word gets out the rumor that oh no the new kids are Christian Hmm. lots of people don't really want to be your friend and it's sad it's very sad so how do you get through those challenges? Have you found like your dad being a pastor, does he what is he able to have good conversations with you and encourage you? He definitely we definitely have good conversations about politics and about what I should say back to those people sometimes. But 
yeah, most of the time how I get through those challenges is just pray about it and read a devotion. Yeah. And then face the next day knowing that God is with me and that Jesus loves me. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what the world thinks. Yeah, that's right. And that's also a very hard a very hard place to get to because we want people to like us. Correct. We do because we were created to be social. Social. That's right. And so we want people to like us and when sometimes that doesn't happen, it can it can be really hard to deal with. Mm. Yeah. So one of the questions that I've written down that I really want to ask you about is, you know, growing up as a pastor's kid, growing up in the church, what advice would you have for other teenagers who are finding church irrelevant or boring or just don't want to go? Just talk to your pastor or, like, talk to someone in the church that's been going for a while or maybe has gone through those challenges themselves because it always it's always good to listen to other people's stories. That's why this podcast is so great because you can hear about other people that have gone through challenges with their faith and have got through that and are really happy where they are now. My other advice is make up your own mind on everything. Don't really if your par- you don't agree what with what your parents are saying, if your parents aren't going to take you to church, then talk to a, your pastor and they will help you get to church because that's what they do. Yeah, I, th- I think we don't go to our pastors enough. We definitely don't. That's what they're there for. They're there to talk to you and to help you through. That's right. And you can even go to your pastor and say, look, I find the service boring. And that's fine. Like he can handle that. He can handle that. He's, he's a grown man. He is a grown man. It's not going to make him cry. Yep. And, yeah, the pastor can talk to you about, okay, well, what are we going to do about that? Is it because you don't understand what's being said or what's happening? And sometimes just having it explained why we do things and what this passage means, that can really help with making church relevant and interesting. So what are some things that encourage and strengthen your faith? This podcast, I'm not joking, this podcast as a time where being a teenager and moving is really hard because you have to say goodbye to your friends. This podcast made me feel really close to other Lutheran women and that's what it's meant to do. So you're achieving your goal, Lexi. Thank you. That's really encouraging to hear. Other things is definitely camps, Lutheran camps, especially Christian Life Week because especially when I get to see old friends from Christian Life Week and also I've been to quite a few young adults camps for Creative Word Fellowship and those are just awesome because you get to meet other young women and men who are too old for Christian Life Week but still love going to camps. I love taking sermon notes and rereading over my notes of the sermon. That really encourages my faith. Singing hymns, that's the big one. And the other ones are basically just theological books and reading devotions. So what type of theological books do you read? I must admit, I don't really read them that often, but there's one by Chad Bird called The Christ Key that my dad got me for my confirmation because I was in his confirmation class. It's about finding Jesus in the Old Testament, and I've really been enjoying that because I love the gory stories of the Old Testament. And also, Words of Strength and Promise is my favorite devotional of all time. It's for young people, for teenagers. And it's by Concordia Publishing Press. And I 
ordered like six copies. I made dad order them for me and I'm going to hand them out to all my friends. I don't have a copy at the moment because I gave it to a friend as a birthday present. But that book really got me through some hard times because, as I said, moving's hard, especially when you're a teenager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Ruby, thank you so much for coming on today. And thank you so much for being flexible with with all the different things that have happened in getting to this interview today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I said I told my friends I'd say hi to them on a podcast because now I'm famous. Yep. I'm on I'm online. Whoa. Hi Jane. <laughs> if you get to the end of the podcast, you get to be said hello to. Yep. That's, that's your right. reward. That's right. Finally listening to the podcast. Yes. So thank you, Ruby. No problem. You've been listening to the Here She Stands podcast. Please join us again in a fortnight when it is actually my turn to sit down with Sonia and share my testimony. I'm going to talk about how Jesus saved me from deep-rooted anger, from false beliefs, and from demonic oppression, which is very interesting considering that at the time all these things were happening to me, I was a professing Christian. Don't forget to check out the show notes for information and links relating to today's episode. You can find Here She Stands on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at hereshestands.podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to sign up to our newsletter, download our episode transcripts, or find out more about us, head on over to our website at hereshestands.online. Until then... We pray that you will hold fast to God's word and confidently say, Here I stand, I can do no other.